0: Pastor Dominic
1: Grimaldi here with Street Talk Theology, where we bring theology and bring it to the streets. Uh, Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening. Um, It's an honor to be here. Uh, Give me a shout out, Pastor Grimaldi at Gmail. Any questions, any concerns, any theological questions? I don't want to take a huge uh, introduction this morning. Uh, We do have a Mazelle link on the website if you want to donate to the station. Uh, obviously, for the furtherance of the gospel, and and you know, but more than that, keep us in prayer as we try to navigate the word rightly here in Casagrande and abroad, and on the Christian podcast community. I have a special guest with me today, Kevin Swanson, and um, the name of the book is "The Tattoo Jesus." And I'm just going to read off the back of the book so I can introduce you to Kevin. Um, he's got a he's a pastor, obviously, uh, too, and it mentions that here, but. He's got he's an interesting guy and he's he comes from some backgrounds that I think gives him the um, gravity, so to speak, to write a book like this. And 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 we look for people that have been um, in certain cultures or certain areas of life where they have gravity. It's like, you know, me being in prison and I can speak to prisoners. But but Kevin has uh, has studied popular culture for over 25 years He's worked as a disc jockey for many years on formats ranging from contemporary Christian music, country oldies, news talk. He served as a judge in six national film festivals. He's a pastor, husband, father, speaker, radio host, and author of many books, including his most recent Apostate, The Men Who Destroyed the Christian West. And, you know, uh, Kevin and two at the end of the show will get, you know, we'll will get links or however you want for these books, because this is this tattoo Jesus is a... I think a a cultural yes. We need to read this book. So, Kevin, uh, with no further ado, uh, introduce yourself. I mean, I just did, but just let the audience know who you are, and again, and I'll we'll ask some questions.
2: Yeah, Dominic. um, Yeah, I've I've been really interested in in popular culture for a very long time, largely because I got involved in radio back on the central coast of California. I'm going to say back in 1983 ish was the point at which I got into popular culture. I was at that point attending Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, um, got involved in the theater program, but I was actually a mechanical engineering major and then eventually ran for student body president Won That election served as uh, president of the student body back in 1986. And, you know, from that point on, just, you know, got involved in leadership at various levels, political, cultural, eventually, yeah, Became a pastor of a church out here on the eastern plains of Colorado, and I guess the rest is history. I I, I think culture is so important, Dominic. I mean, it's 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 all around us. It, it, we just we're we're swimming in an ocean of it, and if we can't discern it, we're going to be in trouble.
1: Hey Kevin, you know, I was thinking about this, and maybe I'm off base with this. And I, I got a, a lot of questions here I want to ask you, but I was thinking about something, and maybe maybe I'm I'm off on this, but I, I want your expertise on this. Like we think about the LGBTQ, and I know it advances every day with these letters and stuff. Kevin, you know what baffles me, and I was talking to a congregation about this, is that this community is such a small community with such a loud voice. And here we are as Christians obviously we're a larger community in the LGBTQ and we don't have no voice. And and I wonder if that's a yeah. cultural thing. And I, I'm, again, I know this might be off topic and, and forgive me, yeah. but I, but I, when I heard what you were saying, why is this community such a minority people and such have a loud voice and we are like being drowned out by this? Is that a fair
2: question? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's absolutely a fair question, Dominic. They represent the zeitgeist—that is, the spirit of the age. When I say the spirit of the age, that's the massive cultural waterfall that is just dominating uh, every part of the cultural river. We live in a river, a, lots of streams running side by side, but there's a big old rush that's going over the waterfall, and that's the uh, spirit of the age that speaks to autonomy. Uh, sexual autonomy, especially, but man wants to uh, determine that which is right and wrong for himself. And the the pinnacle of all autonomy in the modern zeitgeist has got to be Homosexuality and you know determining your own gender, de- determining your own sexual orientation. Uh, this is the ultimate rebellion against God. When I say autonomy, I'm just simply saying being a law to yourself and throwing off the laws of God and and all of the you know thousands of years of Judeo-Christian influence upon modern morality. All that's being tossed away, and the homosexual element really least they're more or less the high priests of modern culture Amen. Uh, Amen. you know granted they make up one two three percent of the population but they are the high priests of the modern zeitgeist which represents this sexual autonomy gender autonomy this total ethical autonomy I and mean, this that's it that's our culture you know if it's supposed to god they're for it and um and i think sexual autonomy just represents the core of that
1: And the sad thing is, again, I I, this we do on street talk. We just like have conversations. But the sad thing is, some of the churches are kind of adhering to this, right? I mean, some of the churches are accepting some of these LGBTQ communities and things like that. And that's, I mean, that's sad too. I mean, that's another Mm -hmm. aspect. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you being involved in the uh, the cultural war, so to speak, I seeing. I'm uh, see a lot of.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's troubling uh, because, you know, ultimately what we're to do is to teach them everything Jesus commanded. We're to uh, disciple the nations, uh, those who are maintaining the faith in the last days, whether that, you know, began 2000 years ago right now. Either way, it's those who keep the faith of Jesus and the commandments of God. That's Revelation 14. So I think what's happened is the modern church has thrown off the commandments of God and you throw off God's commandments. You no longer have a base by which to discern what is right and wrong in the culture and i think that's where the church is today there's been such an abandonment of uh, god's law as the standard for what is right and wrong they've made way for the cultural zeitgeist to come in and you know excuse me very much but we're going to determine right and wrong for ourselves of course that goes all the way back to the garden i mean think about the temptation you know to eve was you shall be as gods determining that which is good and evil right and wrong for yourself and they're still doing it. Now, if, if we as Christians, we as the Christian church and leadership within the Christian church don't use God's law as a standard, then we're going to be up the creek without a paddle in these cultural debates.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, years ago, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with a guy named Peter Berger. He was a, a Christian. I think he was a Christian sociologist. I want to be careful here. But he coined a term called cognitive contamination. And and it's an interesting thing as the world catches these ideas and they just run with them. And I, the, the thing about this, uh, what you're speaking about in culture, I don't know this thing. I don't, Peter Berger speaks about these things. They come and they go. They, they you, you catch these things on call. I think this is here to stay. I, I don't know about this type of um, things that we're seeing with this LGBT, all this stuff. I think this is here to stay I think it's only going to get worse.
2: Well, it's tough to say. Uh, I wrote another book called Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West, Dominic, and it's a a 750-page mammoth book, but it really addresses this question is how did we get here? And I believe we're looking at the fall of the Christian West, certainly the decline of Christian influence in the mass culture, and that's happened. It's over. Uh, but also the culture itself, the civilization itself is is coming down. Now, what happens after that? I don't know. I'm going to talk about eschatology. I don't want to get into those debates because you know, I don't think that's been settled for uh, within Christendom. But uh, whatever the case is, there has to be something of a restart. Uh, that may come with a world war that you know God is in control Jesus is king of Kings Lord of Lords determining the flow of history but uh, where this goes I don't know Bottom line is unless something radical happens we're just going to continue to see a, de- a cultural decline and um, and and the influence of this uh, the, these demonic cultures and these uh, cultural influences that are so opposed to God and his his rule, that, uh, that I think it's gonna break down our civilization as we know. Not only are we seeing withdrawal of the Christian uh, salt and light, in culture around us, but we're also seeing a uh, undermining of uh, socioeconomic systems and a civilization itself. And that's what I deal with in epoch, the rise and fall of books. That's the bigger picture. Uh, but the thing that we really are grappling with as families is how to deal with pop culture. I mean, it's a massive question. I think it's as important, if not more important than the question of education. Now I think Christian education is essential, but my sense of it is that most Christian families are dealing with the question of pop culture. Pop culture dominates. Pop culture leads, and their children are following. It's very much like what I call the Pied Piper of Hamlin, but it's Pied Piper has just gotten way, way, way bigger than he used to be. Some six, eight hundred years ago.
1: Hey, Kevin, is it fair to say? And I'm gonna get. I, I promise I'll get into these questions. Is it fair to say that years ago, I'm, I'm, again, I don't know how I'm 66, and I, Kevin, how old are you?
2: I'm 59. Okay. I'm closing in on you, man.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, the thing is, you, there's no catching up, right? But, Kevin, and make, this is another, it's a little off topic, but I, I want to just ask this for, for my own self and something I mentioned to the congregation, too. I'm trying to get confirmation that I'm right. Normally kidding. But years ago, when when something happened, like when, when movements in society happened, they happened real slow. But now these things happen at rapid pace. Like, you know, years ago, like in the 50s, if I don't know, women smoking, I don't want to get in no trouble here about women smoking cigarettes. I mean, things like that. When things moved back then, they moved at a snail's pace. Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm, But today
1: it's like you don't know what you're going to wake up to. Is that a fair point?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I think people are saying, what's that uh, roaring noise? You know, it's, And again, <laughs> culture is like a, a gigantic river that runs towards the Niagara Falls. And I think we are approaching the Niagara Falls. We're within, I'd say, about 100 yards of the Niagara Falls. That's why it sounds... So loud and uh, and the rivers running so briskly because we are approaching the Niagara Falls and and I I think you know that's obvious to the average person. Now what happens when you go over the Niagara Falls? I'm not sure, uh, but we we see the trends. They're just extraordinary. I mean, uh, you think about the Grammy Award for Song of the Year in 1959 awarded to Johnny Horton's "Battle of New Orleans." Well, fast forward what 80 years. Uh, or 70 years to song of the year grammy in 19 or 2020 went to Billie eilish bad guy um, on you know sexual masochism sadomasochism she includes you know messages on lucifer cannibalism suicide hopelessness and self-mutilation um, you've got a long ways i mean you're you're pretty close to the niagara falls at the point that you're arrived at Billie eilish and bad guy in 2020
1: Kevin, what, why is pop culture so influential? You know, what's the bargain? I
2: mean, (laughs) well, I I, I think we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principles, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. I think people need to understand that we are in massive spiritual warfare and the influence that these uh, principles and powers have over the masses is way 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 more than it was in the 1600s 1700s 1800s 1900s especially through this these popular cultural electronic mediums Uh, You just didn't have that in the 1880s. Um, The 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 most popular song of the year back in the 80s. I mean, the 1880s was my grandfather's clock was too large for the shelf, but it stood in 90 years on the floor. That's that's 1880. Uh, Of course, it was sold in sheet music. You know, they didn't have anything but sheet music. But uh, you know, fast forward to the 1990s, and you know, you have Eminem uh, calling his mother a female dog. And and using some of the most profane language ever used in the history of mankind, uh, yeah, the, 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 this this force has come strong, and I think a lot of it is the centralization of power. Uh, when when you centralize power in NBC, CBS, ABC, you centralize power in the television airwaves and the AM and FM licenses, which were limited, severely limited. um, Now you have top 40. Now you have a centralized system that is dictating the direction that everybody is going to go. Everybody's going to use the same kind of music. Everybody's going to be thinking the same basic worldview. Everybody's going to go to the same movies. And so that all starts in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And and now you have a very homogenous culture to the point that doesn't matter if you're in a little tiny town in South Dakota or way out in the Amazon jungle. My son was in the Amazon jungle uh, going up and down the Amazon River. This is I don't know in Chile or maybe Argentina somewhere. Uh, But he said, Dad, you know, these little huts had, uh, uh, you know, dirt floors, but uh, they had the big old widescreen television set. Uh, you know, they're getting the same movies that we get in downtown New York or Nowhereville, South Dakota, uh, out in the Amazon, up in the uh, mountains of Nepal. They're, they're basically receiving the same kind of culture. And And so now you've got this homogenous culture that is pretty much dictated by those at the very, very top producing the top movies, the top music of the day. And that influences about the, you know, 97 to 99 percent of the population outside of maybe a few Amish here and there who just don't have (laughs) an access to uh, all of this media. So, you know, that's different. That wasn't the way it was for five thousand nine hundred and thirty years of world history. Uh, wow, things have changed tremendously, and I think it's time for people to wake up and smell the napalm in the war of the worldviews. Uh, because you know these powerful forces are dictating the way that most people are going to think and, and the culture that most people are going to uh, maintain in their in their families and their communities.
1: Let's get ourselves in some trouble. How's that? Normally, kidding. So, oh, yeah. what, because you just mentioned that, so what do you think about? Christian contemporary music. You gonna I don't know. I didn't ask this. No, I mean it's it's. Listen, I just don't know. I I mean you. I I go by words. You know. I mean if the words are doctrinally sound, I think they're okay. But man, I I, I want to ask the expert. <laughs> I'm serious. What do we Well,
2: I you know, when it comes to music, I've got a section on music in in my book and uh, oh, you know, good. There's, there's, uh,
1: Oh, and tattoo Jesus?
2: Yeah, 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 oh, there's good, a section good, good. on music get it so, on the plane, so, but I still want to
1: I still want to yeah. hear your view anyway.
2: <laughs> right. Well, you you've got a couple different, you know, sta- standards of music. You have popular culture, you have high culture, folk culture, and I think most music is a bit of a mix of all of that. Uh, I I do think we have to be careful with the kind of music we use. Um, I think fundamentally you want to convey the fear of God, reverence for God. Um, Also, honor for parents. In other words, churches where grandparents, great-grandparents, parents and children cannot worship in the same building that's a problem for me
1: mm, yes uh, and
2: i don't i don't think we should have the contemporary service the nose ring service you know the, the old fogey service i i don't think we should do that i think we should have a multi-generational multicultural service as much as we possibly can you know the church of jesus christ should be able to pull all of us together into do the same service to worship the same christ So, so I I basically introduced it by those principles and to throw away everything that's ever been written after 1950 is not the right approach. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that we began singing Psalms again, the 1970s. I mean, think about it. most churches had abandoned psalmody uh, for about 200 years and then while on the 1970s some of the contemporary christian uh, music began to bring the psalms back into play Uh, and i think some of the words of the contemporary music is is pretty good i think we have to be careful again that the mode doesn't contradict the music or the message in the music And uh, so there's just a lot of principles that tie into this, because I'm not really answering the question. One of the questions that young people ask me from time to time is, should I be listening to CCM or should I be listening to this musician or that musician? And my answer is usually, what does your father and mother think about this? And they say, well, my mom and dad like this artist. They don't like that artist. They like this song. They don't like that song. I said, well, just go with that. It, what, what does that mean? That means honor your father and mother. And I think right. if we start with the principles of God's word, which means first the reverence for God, and then secondly, honor your father and mother, that things may go well with you in the land. You get back to these principles, and you're going to be on the right track. In other words, the reason why culture breaks down as it has is because successive generations have not honored their mother and father. How do you get from Bach? Uh, To rape rap, you know, to Eminem's rape. And and, and the answer to that, I believe, is just successive generations that didn't honor their mother and father. I mean, it was really the fact that there was so much of a social revolution against mothers and fathers that eventually produced a cultural revolution, which inevitably will break down the culture over a period of time. So I, I truly believe that we get back to the principles of God's word. We honor father and mother, you know, tie your parents commandments around your neck and all this. We have the proverbs and encourage us to an honor of mother and father. Uh, the promise is that things will go well with you in the land. Things will go well with you in your church life. Things will go well with you in your culture, in your community. So I do believe that it's the honor of mother and fathers that will bring back a, uh, an advancement in culture instead of a, a degradation a breaking down of culture. So, so, see, I haven't really answered your question per se, because I, I think it's it's not quite right to just step in and say, well, all rock and roll is of the devil and CSM is something that none of us need to have anything to do with. It's much better to go back to the principles of God's word and then just simply ask ourselves, is this being applied uh, in our forms of music? And also music tends to be very symbolic. So, you know, I give you this example. Let's say that a youth group leader went to some big pop culture and and found that, you know, all these guys were lifting their middle finger in the middle of the concert, you know, like, and it was just the big thing to lift the middle finger and so forth. So he takes that cultural symbol brings it into the youth group and says let's use this in the worship service let's let's just all lift our middle fingers in the worship of god now there's really nothing wrong with the middle finger you know however we all know what the middle finger stands for in other words there are cultural symbols we can't be idiots here okay when you walk into a culture don't be an idiot okay <laughs> i guess that's the principle here so so when it comes to you know musical devices And and symbols that are used in the popular culture around us, we need to be aware of what they are and what they represent. And if they represent something that's extremely disrespectful and irreverent to God or to others, we should not be bringing that into the church service. So, say that would be an example that uh, I think we need to be thoughtful as pastors. Here's another example Uh, that I like to give. Uh, A pastor said, I'm preaching on the fear of God. This Sunday turns to his worship leader and says, I need a good song that works for this. And so the worship band leader shows up on a Saturday afternoon, gets up on the pastor's desk, and gets out his guitar and starts screeching out, you got to rev, 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 the old man in the sky. Got to rev, 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 the old man in the sky. The pastor stops for a second and says, it's not exactly the message, you know, I wanted to reverence God, well, you know, the, the, the method, the mode that was used to represent the reverence just wasn't working for that pastor. <laughs> that, that That's obviously an exaggerated story. You know, it's supposed to be a little bit funny, but <laughs> the, the problem is, you know, some people actually use the wrong kind of medium in order to express reverence for God. And I think we as pastors, and music leaders need to be uh, conscious of that when we introduce music into the uh, worship service.
1: In no, other words, the mode is as important as the message. That's it. Yeah, That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, so mm-hmm. here's something I, I was thinking about. So this is an interesting. This is one of the questions you wanted to be asked, and it's an interesting question. I think it's a. So there seems like there's a dichotomy here. If I'm reading this right, what is culture? Question mark, and how does it relate? to religion or worldviews. So Mm -hmm. then culture and worldview, are you saying they're separate or, uh, and this might be the last question of this segment, but that's an interesting question. What is culture question mark and how does it relate to religion or worldviews? That's an interesting question that I'd like to have answered if, if possible.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, culture is a external manifestation or an incarnation of faith in what you believe about God, about God's law, about how we ought to be interrelating with each other and such. Um, Worldviews are basically basic uh, propositions that answer the most basic questions. Does God exist? What is real? Uh, who is man? What is the purpose of life? What is right and wrong? That's worldview. Well, you get something of a worldview, and then you begin to manifest that in the way that you live. One of the problems is some people claim to be Christians, and yet their cultural expressions don't really Match a Christian world and life view. In fact, it's interesting. We we just saw a result from George Barna's study. Uh, only one percent of Gen Zers hold to a biblical worldview. It's down from two percent a few years ago. Down from twelve percent in the nineteen nineties. But uh, but what's also interesting is fifty four percent of Gen Zers still claim to be Christians. So fifty four percent of Gen Zers think they're Christians, and only one percent think like Christians. So what's the problem? Well, what's the problem with you know 98% of Gen Zers who think they're Christians but don't think like Christians? Well, the problem is they actually don't have a, a consistent Christian worldview. And so, therefore, because they don't know what they believe, they don't know what constitutes a basic belief system for Christians, they're going to take up the wrong cultural Manifestations or cultural system, Uh, they're going to take up the system that is presented by a you know distinctively anti-Christian worldview, which is what is upheld largely by Nashville and Hollywood. So in the end, they're constantly uh, undermining whatever little worldview they actually picked up at the church service by the cultural systems that they participate in. So that that's the problem. Uh, Now. As, well, as Christians, we need to, number one, be completely rooted and grounded in a proper biblical worldview, uh, which includes, I believe, an ethical system, uh, a fundamental belief system concerning God, concerning His holiness, concerning His justice, righteousness, power, judgments, mercy, love, grace, etc. And then that should be reflected in both the message and the mode by which we convey that message.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting thing. We have about uh, five minutes left, in, about four minutes. And what I wanted to do at the end of each segment, I want you to, if it's possible, to let people, and we'll put it in the show notes, but I think the radio station is going to do something too. I spoke to producer this morning about it, but I want we need to let people know how to get this book um first and foremost and i and i think what you say we'll try to and we'll i'll put it i know when we go to the christian podcast community will be in the show notes let me give you three or four minutes before we close out this can you come back for one more session kevin Is yes that cool let's me? do it
2: okay we, we've so, just buried this grass surface
1: yeah so let's um how do we get this book because remember th- people may listen to one show not the other even though i want them to listen to both but how can they get the book just you know sure. for the last couple of minutes
2: Sure. Just simply go to generations.org, generations.org. That's our organization uh, and, and pick up a copy at, on the store. Uh, just do a search for the tattoo Jesus, what the real Jesus would do with pop culture. And uh, yeah, pick up a, a copy there. I you know recommend just a, a few other research Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West. That's for somebody who wants big books. Uh, Apostate, The uh, Men Who Destroyed the Christian West. And uh, also, I have uh, a, a new book just released called Keep the Faith on Education and Secular Culture. It's a neat little book that actually goes back into history and finds out what the church fathers and the reformers and evangelicals like John Wesley and George Whitfield and others thought about popular culture, theater, music, you know, it seems to me that we need the wisdom of the ages to address questions like this. And that's why I published a little book called Keep the Faith on Education and Popular Culture. So uh, I'd recommend those resources, again, available at generations.org. This has got to be one of the most important uh, questions we need to address today, especially uh, for families that are raising children in this culture. Everything's changed, Dominic, just in the last 10 years. We can talk about this, but uh, the use of the iPhone, personal electronic devices, huge, huge shift in uh, in terms of the, the access that children have to popular culture. It's uh, in fact, the ratio of family friendly to uh, to mature audience on television offerings has just gone off the deep end. Family uh, TV uh, or parent TV organization has done a study, and it was about a 50 50 break on the difference between uh, family friendly programming versus those uh, mature uh, programs available to families today. And now it's more of a 95 5 95% mature to 5% family friendly material accessible. Through the online devices or the streaming devices. So, so yeah, I mean, just I'm gonna say in the last five years, we have seen an absolute uh, demolishing of any family friendly programming on the part of these, these modern producers that uh, seem to be dominating our culture today.
1: Yeah, you know, and uh, just uh, and I got to close out this section, but it just seems like a downward spiral. Whatever happened to the honeymoon is right. I mean, but anyway, Mm -hmm. um, this is Pastor Dominic Romaldi on Street Talk Theology, where we take theology and bring it to the streets. Kevin promises to come back for another half hour, so we'll get him on the other side for you guys will be next week. So may God bless and keep you and shine his light upon all
0: of you. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org.